good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. And welcome to Sports and the World. And if you're listening to us through Anchor, Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, or Radio Public, we both truly do appreciate it. And how are you, my man? I'm good now, man. I'm home and I'm you know, back in one piece and uh, you know, trying to trying to get back to the grind of things. Yeah, I hear, you know, yeah. You know, that's what I told uh yesterday in last week I should say. Now recorded, I said, you know, you know, he's gonna be back better than ever. You know, you know, we didn't steal that logo from Mike and Mike back that you see how that show went. But <laughs> but but it's, it's great to have you back, man. I'm glad to hear you're feeling better. Thanks, buddy. That's what happens. You spend too much time on the West Coast, man, and get sick and they try to kill you out there. Yeah. 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 And I think it's called the Pac twelve disease. I don't know if that's Yeah, what it's something like that. Pac twelveitis. You know, I got you know, I'm not a medical guy, but <laughs> I'm a CJ, I got my degree in criminal justice. I'll I'll look into it more. All right. But, well, you know, speaking of things that may 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 not make us feel well, and that's what happened in in week five. You know, let's you know before we go, you know our Jets, and I'm gonna go up on my Falcons because I did last week, but I don't think they got the message. So, but other than than that, uh, what were your thoughts on week five in the NFL? Uh you know. It, it was finally proven that, that Kirk Cousins actually has an operational arm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, he, he after the the team essentially protested Kirk Cousins' playing capability, um, he finally threw the ball. Uh, they they played a great game uh, against the Giants. Um, you know, the Giants aren't what they were, uh, you know, a few years ago. But they're uh, with, with the Daniel at the helm now. They're they're starting to kind of come back. They're they're trying to become a newer, fresher, younger team. Um, and uh, the Vikings played just an immaculate game on both sides of the ball. Their defense was tough as usual, uh, but their offense is what you know really surprised me. Is that um, you know Kirk Cousins actually threw the ball. And look at that. They put points on the board. He went 22 for 27, 306 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, the bulk of that went to uh, Adam Thielen, you know, uh, eight targets, seven receptions, 130 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, you can't ask for a better uh, a better game out of receivers. You know, Dalvin Cook was a threat on, on, on both the air and the ground. He, you know, he was six for six with 86 yards. And uh, he uh, did 21 rush attempts for 132 yards. He was denied out of the uh, out of the end zone, but you know they still did a a, a great job. Uh, the unfortunate thing is is that Stephon Diggs is still quite unhappy uh, with the current situation there. Um, I think this week, and we'll talk about that in the in the fantasy pickums. I think this week is going to be Stephon's breakout week due to the scheduling. Um, but if if Thielen, or excuse me, if uh, uh, Cousins can keep his head out of his ass and actually play some ball, the, the Vikings are they're a contending team for their division. They have the talent on defense. I mean that they've they've shown that week in and week out, and they they have more than enough talent on offense. I mean they arguably have the best receiver duo in the NFL right now, with arguably one of the best wideouts, or excuse me, uh, running backs in the NFL right now. Uh, you know, Rudolph is a great tight end because he can pick up the block and he's got some good hands on him. 
Um, they're, you know, I, I don't want to say they're a complete package because the, the biggest variable right now is, of course, Kirk Cousins. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pulling for him just because I got him on my bench and I've got both Thielen and, uh, and Diggs and, and different fantasy leagues, but we'll see what happens. Um, of course, the, uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to dub this the massacre in AT&T Stadium. Um, <laughs> Rogers is a wanted man. Uh, I heard that he uh, committed assault and battery on 53 uh, Dallas residents. Yeah, I, I heard the same thing. That was the same thing. That was, that was a bad game, man. Uh, that Green Bay just just dismantled. But see, it shows you know is Green Bay that good or is just Dallas that bad? Dallas is still a three and two team, but. Uh, Green Bay just played immaculate on both sides of the ball. Um, Aaron Rodgers put on a clinical. But even then, if you if you compare stats, Aaron Rodgers did 22 for 34 with 238 yards, no touchdowns. Dak Prescott won 27 for 44 with 463 yards, two touchdowns, but three interceptions. Yeah. So, you know, those, those three... Uh, INTs that 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 hurts you, and then if you look on you know down at the rushing factor, I, Zeke. I don't even think that uh, he knew he had a game. He had 12 attempts, 62 yards. He did get one TD. I know he, he kind of got that goal line stand there. Um, Amari Cooper, of course. I mean, he was stud now. You know, he went uh, 14 targets, 11 receptions, with 226 yards, but it just still wasn't enough. Um, the Cowboys definitely are going to have to kind of re-engineer themselves and kind of figure out where they're going to uh, where they're going to stand in the league. And then, like you said, the the, the disappointing games with the the Falcons, uh, you know that game. And then I don't even want to call it disappointing, but the Eagles and the Jets. Um, I had tickets to the game. I sold them. I broke even. <laughs> You know, I sold them to some Eagles fans that live a couple blocks down from me. Um, I I live a half hour from from uh, where the Eagles play. I was really looking forward to going to the game. I haven't been to a Jets game in in a year or two, and I was like, man, they're going to be super close to me. I'm not going to have to drive hours. I'm not going to have to hop a train or fly somewhere. And a, they've been playing like shit this year. And then, of course, B, I'm just getting over from being sick. So I kind of use that as my excuse. I just don't want to admit to myself that the Jets are just that fucking terrible. I don't want to see them in public. Um, but that was that was everything I expected. Uh, they're saying Darnold's supposed to come back uh, this week. We'll see how that works out. Uh, I think it'll be in typical Jets fashion. Uh, you know, the other game that really intrigued me was the uh, the the Bears and the Raiders. Um, you know, the week before, the Bears just put on a, a shit show on on a on a uh, on a Monday night game and just studded it out. And then uh, I don't know what happened here. Um, you know, Tariq Cohen four attempts, ten yards rushing, uh, thirty nine yards receiving from him. Uh, however, uh, AR-15, Allen Robinson, you know, he, he studded out. He got two touchdowns. Um, but it's just, I somehow Oakland pulled this one off. I, I'm i still kind of behooved by it. But, um, you know, again, Oakland's another one of those teams. Where they're three and two right now. I don't know how. It's same thing with the, with the Vikings. I, just, I, don't, I don't know how. 
Um, it, it's it's a mystery that uh, Scooby-Doo and the gang are going to have to figure out. But um, And then, of course, it's the Monday night catastrophe with, with, with San Francisco and Cleveland. That was just... That was bad. You know, that was just... I You know, and the funny thing is, is I was waiting for my dry cleaning this morning. And... Um, I'm talking. I, I know the guy pretty well at the at the dry cleaning place I go to, and uh, so I came in. I had um, I had a, a little pullover on. It's actually we, we got seasons up here, so it was in the 50s this morning. So I had a little Gators pullover on. So we were talking about that, and then uh, we were talking about the Monday night game and just how terrible the Browns are. And there's so much talent on that team. You have to fit. There, there's a breakdown when you've got arguably one of the best wideouts in the NFL right now and OJ Beckham. Nick Chubb's an absolute stud on the ground. You know, Baker Mayfield's not a completely terrible quarterback, but they're just, you know, one weekend they're good, the one that they play the 49ers and and shit the bed. You know, it, it, there's there's something missing and and if you have good players and you on both sides of the ball, you've got a great receiver, you've got a great running back, you've got great, you know, defensive key positions. I think it might be the coach. You know, maybe we maybe we might see a uh, a, a, another Black Monday here soon. Absolutely. Uh, and instead of the 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 Redskins coach going bye bye bye, maybe it uh, you know maybe it might be the Browns coach's turn. What do you think? You know what? You, you you hit the nail on the head, my man. And I think I talked about the Browns when I did my when I did my preseason ranking. Like Chris, you said you're absolutely right. Look how talented that roster is. You got Baker Mayfield fits Cleveland like a glove. His personality it fits. You trade for arguably I still believe is a top five ten receiver in this league in Odell Beckham. And then you agree with Jarvis Landry. You got, you know, David Njoku, he's hurt. But listen, you still got Miles Garrett on defense. This team is, is loaded. I think we can both agree on that. They're super loaded. Oh, hell yeah. But penultimately, and I talked about this, is that it's Freddie Kitchens. And I tell people, I said, Freddie Kitchens is a dressed down version of Jason Garrett. Okay. Jeez. Because look at the talent. And look what you're getting. Because at the end of the day, you hire a dude who just started calling plays last year. And all of a sudden, oh great, you know, we you know, we don't suck. So we gotta hire the guy that kind of semi-helped. He hasn't coached any, he hasn't been a head coach. And I'm not gonna hold that against him in any level. But he wasn't even that great of a coordinator. He just started really becoming a coordinator to his own last year. B- Baker Mayfield, you, you know what Baker Mayfield stats is? Was on Monday night. He was uh, actually yeah. He was eight for twenty-two, hundred yards and two interceptions. Yeah, and you, you know what his QBR was that game? Like five. Thirteen point four. Jesus Christ. Statistics say that he went better off throwing the ball in the ground. And at least got to thirty-six. Mm-mm. Like just say the hell with it and just spike it. Statistically, that's better stats. I said, you know, I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to sit there and say that, you know, San Francisco's a terrible team. Listen, they're undefeated for a reason. You know, you play your schedule and you do well, you win. Yeah. I'm not going to, you know, demagogue them. But, folks, 
you know, and I'll say this and I'll turn it back to you. It's simply this with Cleveland. Listen, when I talk about Dan Quinn, I'm going to go in on that. And I got to talk about your boy, Adam Gase. I said, if you had to give me a choice right now of the next coach to be fired, it has to be Freddie Kitchen, simply because of expectations. Like, this team, it, I could argue, I understand Baltimore. I didn't expect that out of Baltimore. But Cleveland, like, if, if I guarantee you, if they go, I forgot when their bye week was, or is, but if they're at least, if they're under 500, Chris, I would not be shocked if Jimmy Haslam says, we got to cut it. Because that job is a very attractive job. It, it's very, it's a hell of a lot more attractive than that job in Washington. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because they have, they have talent. They, they've, they've got something to work with. Uh, you know, they've got, they've got the pieces. You know, sometimes... Or, you know, the, the Browns' problem has been they just couldn't get a quarterback. Yeah. You know, they or they would draft these quarterbacks and then they get to the NFL and just completely just in, implode on themselves. Uh, you've got, you know, Baker Mayfield. I'm not going to sit here and say he's the next, uh, uh, you know, Michael Vick or Tom Brady or anything like that. But he's got potential to succeed. He's got an immaculate receiving core to throw to. He's got an awesome running back that he can hand the rock off to and, and pound it up the middle to open up the play action and open up the aerial offense. He's got a defense that is capable of making the stops, and they've shown it that they that they can make them when they need to. Uh, you know, it, it, it leadership starts from the top. That, you know, that's that's what it boils down to. You know what? You're right. And, and at the end of the day, it's, it's very hard for me to sit here. And if, if you're a Cleveland Browns and you're listening, you know, bless your heart. But it's hard to watch that. It's hard to watch. The, it's a roller coaster. Because what if I told you that this same team destroyed the Baltimore Ravens the week before? You wouldn't believe me. Yeah, I know. You, you wouldn't believe me. Like that team that played on Monday night who scored three points, put up a four spot last week. Yeah. And I say, at the end of the day, it's a consistency. In this league, you have to show some level of consistency. Because for the Cleveland Browns, listen, this schedule is going to get harder. It's the the same thing that I harped on, going back to Minnesota real quick, about Kirk Cousins not beating teams with winning records. It's the same concept. Like, it's great that he did what he did against the the Giants. But the Giants are a 500 team or, or below in terms of talent. I want to see him beat Chicago. I want to see him beat essentially every team in division right now that has a winning record. Yeah. No, yeah, you got to you got to win the games that are that are important. You've got to beat the Chicago's, you've got to beat the 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 Vikings, you know. You can't you can't squander on uh on those games and then just just shit the bed, you know. Everywhere else, you know, they're they they've got a great proving ground this week with uh, with Seattle. You know, yeah, they're playing they're playing in home, so they don't have to worry about the uh, the twelfth man. <clears throat> you know, Seattle's got a goddamn great team. Russell Wilson is just a, a god among men. Um, you know, here's your chance. You know, time time to put up or shut up. I 
I think this game will be the test, and I think this will kind of set the tempo for the 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 remain uh, the remainder of the season. And I I think we'll start seeing what's going to happen on the uh, on the coaching staff at that point as well. Yeah, and and, and I agree. And speaking of coaching staff, I got to talk about that game I saw Sunday night with you know the Colts and Chiefs game. No, oh, Jesus. And, and everybody, I, I said, well, this game. Colts on the road, young team. I saw that game, I think from, I can say bookend to bookend. I think I saw, you know, from game to end, you know, give or take. I was flipping through. I think baseball was, I think I was flipping through that as well. But, like, the, the Colts went on the road and found the formula. And and I know people say, well, Patrick McCoon was nicked up. I'm like, I get all of that. But here's what here's what the key was to the Colts. It was two, two three key, time of possession. The Colts, yep. the Colts had the ball 37 minutes and 15 seconds. You know what that means? Pat Mahomes was not on the field. Yep. And I say, with a guy like that, it's just like I say with Aaron Rodgers, Brady, you just don't give them time. Because if you give them time... They will they, put points on the board. Absolutely. And listen, yeah, and Jacoby said he didn't have the best. You know, he had 18 to 29, 151 yards. But the thing is, he didn't get sacked. He didn't get sacked, yes. and that's a and that's and that's a credit to Costanza, especially to Costanzo and Quentin Nelson, that first round pick out of Notre Dame. That Chris Ballard has established what, quite frankly, he should have been the GM when Andrew Luck got in the league because Andrew Luck just couldn't get protected. Imagine if Andrew Luck got the protection now that Joe Jacoby Brissett has now. It'd be a completely different story, and Brissett would still be sitting behind Tom Brady, I think. Exactly. And you know, and Marlon Mack, with Marlon Mack, you know, he had 132 yards rushing. Pat Mahomes, he didn't have a terrible game. 22 of 39, 321 yards. And this is the thing. This is his second game in his young career where he's been set four more times. Yep. The last time was in Arizona back in 2018. Listen, the Colts held the Chiefs to 36 yards rushing, 2.6 yards of rush. So it kind of shut down McCoy. It shut down when it shut down the that element of the game. It made it one-dimensional with Pat Mahomes and that young defense. That young defense, the only guy I knew on that roster was Jabal Sheard and Justin Houston. Everybody else, it was like the cast of SNL that not for ready primetime players. Literally, I knew in nobody else but Justin Houston and Jabal Sheard. And Frank Wright going on the road, quite frankly. I'm, you know, I heard Pat McAfee, the, you know, he's like, oh, this is the Super Bowl. I'm like, listen, put the Kool-Aid down, put the Kool-Aid down. Because the last I checked, these same, this same team may have to go back to Arrowhead and Andy Reid's going to be ready. So before we, you know, pop the champagne and say, oh, this, no, this team is still young. And listen, to me, it's the Colton Texans. I don't know if you agree. It's the Colton Texans for that AFC South. Whoever wants to win that division. I don't yeah. know who wants to win it, but... Somebody's got to by, by you know the rules the you know section three eighteen of the NFL rulebook. Someone's got to win that division. Yeah, I mean someone has to, and and, and it's there. They have the capability. And and you know what? I want to go back to that Packers game because when I saw that Packers game, I said I know Chris right now is just that dude. He's he's probably he's drinking some of that Gator cup and he's sitting back and just laughing because. Because, yeah, quite frankly, Chris, I did too. Because he, here's the thing. 
And like I said, you gave out the great number on Zach Prescott. Let me talk about Aaron Jones. Why? Because he's on my fantasy team and that guy came in clutch. We'll get to that later. But Aaron Jones, 14 rushes, 107 yards, four touchdowns. He tied a Packers record. Yeah. Four, t- four touchdowns. And then you throw on seven receptions and 75 yards. And then and you wonder, and I say, well, well Dak Prescott outplayed, I'm not going to say outplayed Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers outsmarted the Dallas Cowboys. Well, listen, there's a difference between being outsmarting somebody and outplaying somebody. And this is the stat that I think is interesting about Dak Prescott. Now, hit, now they're two and three when he throws the ball over 40 times a game. They're two and three. Did not know that. And, and last week, I, I talked about Zeke Elliott. They're, listen, they're like a, they went 75% of their game when Zeke runs, you know, for over 50 yards. Yeah, when I mean, that little Ewok has got his little little motor running, they do good. He, but he uh, like... when he's stuck <laughs> on the forest moon of Endor, they, uh, they tend to lose. If I was on there, I, I'd be stuck. I'd be like, I'd be a little confused myself. And and their record when he throws under is thirty three and fifteen. Shoot, wow. Maybe, that... maybe they need to cap him off at uh, at four hundred yards. You know, and I tell him, I say, look, under forty. T- I don't think Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson last week, he threw it twenty three times, and they won. You, the, the the thing is with Jason Garrett, I really think he overthinks it. It's folks. It's really simple. That's why Zeke is paid and Dak is not. Simple. Zeke, Zeke is way more important to the team than Dak. And if you listen to Cowboy extraordinaire Skip Bayless, he'll tell you that, you know, Zach is the best quarterback. Stop. They're three and two. Those two losses were the teams with better 500 records. Yep. That's the problem with the Dallas Cowboys. And they lost. This is the thing. They lost to a team in the Saints that didn't score a touchdown. They kicked yeah. four field goals and they lost. And they lost. Yeah, that's that's demoralizing, hands down. And and the Saints, the last time the Saints did that uh, was back in 19, 1998. It, and you, you know, I want to talk about the Bears and Raiders. Listen, listen, people who know me, I'm not the biggest John Gruden fan of the world for multiple, well, a multitude of reasons. A because he's a douche, but but listen, yeah, right to the point. I just don't like John. Listen, when they say offensive guru, I think of Bill Walsh. I think of guys who even Andy Reid. I think of John Gruden. I think of overpaid douche. He's the guy that walks into a room, and I'm just gonna make this point real quick, and then I'll go on to the game. You know, John Gruden, his whole career. He once he went to Super Bowls with two veteran quarterbacks. I tell people name a name a young quarterback that he molded. Chris, I can knit a sweater. I can go to the store. I can have dinner somewhere and come back and people still won't give me an answer. Yeah, that's. I say what and like, he's got Derek Carr. I can argue he's in his prime, and this is probably you can argue maybe his best game under Gruden in a while. Yeah. And, and listen, the Bears in that game scored 21 unanswered points. You know, in the third quarter, Khalil Mack he only had three tackles. They found a way to neutralize Khalil Mack, and that was the key to me. That's that's one of the biggest keys. If you can keep that guy contained, 
you're you're going to be able to actually have a, a a good game as a quarterback if you can't keep him contained. That man is a menace to society uh, to to offenses, and he he will do a lot of bad things to people. And you know, and he will. And I said, once you contain him, it absolutely works. But listen, Josh Jacobs, the, the young running back from Alabama, 123 yards rushing, two touchdowns. And I can't figure out why the Raiders are 3-2 just like you. Because literally, I had them ranked probably in the bottom five, ten teams in the league preseason. And because I didn't trust, I didn't trust Gruden. I didn't trust, this, I just didn't trust that roster outside of Derek Carr. To me, it was a bunch of dudes. It was like literally Lionel Richie and the rest were Commodores. I couldn't trust anybody else. Jesus. Everybody was backup. I couldn't trust him. But he's proven me wrong. But, you know, I, I want to talk about two players. I want to talk about two players who I think stood out. Christian McCaffrey, folks. Look. God among men. If he's not in your top three an MVP voted then you're not watching football. Christian McCaffrey, this dude went, he had 19, 176 yards. Two touchdowns hit that big 84-yard run. And he had six receptions for 61 yards. Folks, that's Carolina's offense. You know, especially with Scam Newton out. You know, this is the offense. And Christian McCaffrey, has 800, he leads the NFL with 866 yards from scrimmage. It's ridiculous. And and I believe he's on your fantasy team. He is. I mean, he is. And I said, whoever, I said, whoever has that guy, that guy's going to at least, that guy's going to win the week. And, and you know, if... Did you, did you see the point spread on, uh, on, on my week this week? Yeah, I did. Because I, I checked it <laughs> I every was, when you win by 140 points, you know it's a damn good week. Yeah, it's like yeah, you just sit back and and I just go, God, and I saw because they show the biggest blow up and I'm like, Yeah, I know that dude. Yeah. I know him. I'm like and I said, wait a minute, that dude has McCaffrey. And when I had Aaron Jones and I'm like but then the other the other guy, you know, he had, you know, Pat Mahomes, and I'm like, Oh crap. And I'm like, you know, cause I'm not gonna name the receiver, Brandon Cooks, who just didn't do well. But yeah, but yeah, it was just a fantastic. And, and all, if you had Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater hit 314 yards. Old, old Teddy Two Gloves. That a lot of people forget about him. He's that uh, he's that backup that people just forget that he could be a starter if given the right circumstance. I I think with with Drew Brees, I I think this might be Brees's last year in the NFL. And I think you're going to see uh, Bridgewater step into the helm and take over the Saints. You know what? I, I, I totally agree. I think he's better at the quarter position than Taysom. Taysom Hill's good. He's one of those two-way dudes. But I think Teddy Bridgewater has the experience. Even when he was in Minnesota, he got hurt. That's why he, Minnesota didn't want to pay him because he got hurt in training camp. And mm-hmm. when he got hurt, they just wanted to invest. It was kind of like a paid Manning-like situation. Where like they know the dude is good, but they're not gonna pay a dude who's hurt. And, and then he, he got up he got value on the cheap. And I'm at the end of the day, that was his first 30 yard game since week 14 back in 2015. So that goes to show that listen, given the time and opportunity, 
you're starting to see the league. A lot of your young quarterbacks like Kyle Allen, I think I called it a couple weeks ago. I think Cam Newton's on his way out. They'll find a way. Just like and Drew Brees, I think you're right about that. I think when these dudes start playing the way that they're playing, you know, especially with cap situations, like, well, man, if I have this young quarterback, I can invest in this way. Like, yep. like you know, I like I the call it the blood cell effect, man. Yeah, it's and it's a sad. I tell people, you know, Drew Bledsoe. Listen, he got a ring out of it, so it, it wasn't the worst. Thing. You know, Drew Bledsoe's like, hey, I'm a Super Bowl champ. And, you know, I was drinking Gatorade the whole game, but hey, I got a ring. For God's sake. Byron Leftwich has a ring, and that's that's a defense rest situation. Because Byron Leftwich, you can show you can shoot off ten cannons before he throws off a pass in the pocket. Yeah. So. Exactly. But you know, is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything else? Can, we can move over to college. Yeah. Sp- speaking of college, I think you know. Uh, listen, you know this one goes out to the Kurt Herb Streets of the world. Even the Paul Feinbaums of the world. And I think we both know what I'm talking about. The amount of hate. The amount of raw, unfiltered, unadulterated hatred that they have for the Gators. Because we just keep winning. It's... And I tell, and when I saw the game, I felt like I didn't want to... You know, my neighbor... Like, I'm the, the bad thing is that now... Like, I'm out here, yeah, it used to be like, oh, now I got neighbor, now I got to keep it down. I still didn't. But the point is, folks, and I think we, and we were messing each other during the game as well. That Gator defense, I, I argue and tell people, name a better defense playing right now in the country. Because when people say, oh, we didn't, we don't play anybody. That's, that's a cop-out excuse. Listen, you know, listen, can we help the fact that Tennessee is the O and 10 IC. Can we help that? Can we help the fact that, listen, we play the schedule. We beat, listen, we, this is, I tell you at the end of the day, that defense was legit. How do I know it's legit? How do I know it's legit? Listen, mind you, both teams had turnovers, but that defense, Grenard, had a hell of a game. Grenard stepped up. It, where because of a Zuniga being on the sideline, he stepped up where uh, we we needed him to. He did it last week too. Um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people right now are are predicting uh, uh, LSU just to, just to blow us out yeah. of the water. Yeah. Now, what people fail to realize, LSU has an immaculate offensive program. I will give it to them. Their offense is high-flying. They're putting 40-plus points a game every single game this season, but they haven't played our defense. Now, this same 40-plus point team played us last year. And do you remember the outcome last year when we had Felipe Franks in full regression mode when he couldn't make a pass to save his life? We won. Yeah, I recall we won that game. Now we have a quarterback who is throwing the short game, can throw the long game, and can actually manage the game. Nothing against I'm not going to knock Franks because he's got a bum foot on him right now. But Franks is not a game manager. And I think he realized that on the sideline. I saw that he, he was discussing his whether his senior eligibility 
whether Florida was going to be the right fit for him. I think he understands that he might have lost his job at this point, so he might transfer. I, I expect him to make a full recovery. I expect Florida to transfer his scholarship elsewhere. Uh, there is no need for him now. With with Emory Jones, with Kyle Trask, Felipe Franks is on the outside looking in right now. Um, you know, hands down. You know, and then if you start looking at the different schedules, you know, all these these Power Five uh, uh, teams, you know, and even the, like the one that kills me, and and I'm sure Derek already knew I was going to go there, <laughs> is is Ohio State. They get bumped to tie for third. I, I this whole tie thing, I think, is ridiculous. It's yeah. you're in the top twenty five or you're not, but they have to do whatever they can to get Ohio State as high as they can. You know, they're like, oh, they played such a great game. They, fi- they What it is is Ohio State finally played a ranked opponent. They didn't throw 60 points on the board. What a shocker. And the, the other team actually scored. Michigan State is an okay program. Michigan State always gives them a problem. Unfortunately, it wasn't as big as a problem this year as it has been for other years for them. Um, but the thing that bothers me with that is, is that if you look at Ohio State's schedule... Why don't, why don't we take just a, a, a little peek? So they played FAU. Oh, boy. Cincinnati. Oh, boy. But, hey, we'll talk about Cincinnati yeah. later. Oh, yeah, we will. Uh, you know, University of Indiana, uh, Minnesota, Miami of Ohio, uh, Nebraska. Nebraska is one of the question marks, but Scott Frost is, I think he's in full regret mode right now. Um, uh, Michigan State. Michigan State is their first ranked opponent that they've played all season. Uh, they play, and they were ranked number 25, so they're at the bottom, bottom of the cut. Uh, Northwestern, oh boy. Wisconsin arguably will be their hardest game they play all season. And that's it. Then they play Maryland, Rutgers, Penn State, and Michigan. Penn State, you know what? That can go either way. I, I'll I'll root for Penn State just because of, of my my dismay and dislike for for Ohio State, but you know, and then they close the season off with Michigan. Michigan's ranked; I, they have no business being ranked. They are not a good team. I'm sorry, uh, they they were so hyped last season. We played them in a bowl game. We smoked them faster than a than a joint in Seth Rogen's house, and you know. Here we are, and look at them this season. They almost lost the army. They they got they got just completely mashed out by you know game, game in and game out. They're barely hanging on. Now that's that is Ohio State schedule. So they play three ranked opponents. None of them, or excuse me, one of them is a top ten ranked. Now why don't we take a peek into our schedule? So yes, we played Miami, which was supposed to be a reputable team. Beat them. Uh, yes, we did play UT Martin again. Every every SEC team plays a gimme game just due to the fact that these teams want four to five hundred thousand dollars. We played UK, we beat him. We played Tennessee, destroyed him. Uh, we played Townsend. Now to rewind back to the UK game, UK is a good program. They are an up and coming program, and if you put UK in the Big Ten, in the Big Twelve into the Pac-12, into the ACC, I would almost bet my 401k that UK could walk in and play for a title in one of those conferences. Our average teams would blow out 
the, the the majority of these other conferences. And I've already quoted that, and I quoted stats a few weeks ago on how the SEC is the only conference that has a winning record against every other conference in NC in the Power Five NCAA brackets. You know, then let's take a look at the the, the meat and potatoes of our schedule. We played a uh, at the time a seventh ranked Auburn and beat them. We are now playing a five ranked LSU. We're going to play a South Carolina game. You know what? They're not the the cream of the crop, but they're still a, a modest program. And then we're playing a three ranked Georgia. In four weeks, we're playing three top ten teams. If you can show me any other school in the power five that plays that kind of schedule this is what pisses me off why we don't get respect is we are playing talented teams in the meat and potatoes of our schedule and if we beat lsu right now if we are not at a four ranked and we boot ohio state off because their biggest thing is when kirk curb street is out there dick riding the big 10 and all these other guys that are like, oh, the strength of schedule is what matters. Who in the hell does Ohio State play? They play fucking nobody all season long. They play a bunch of scrub programs and they blow them out 70 to zero and that makes them good. And then when they play against uh, Michigan State, they're held to, to only 34 points. That's their lowest scoring game all season is 34 points. They put 42 up against uh, Cincy. 51 against uh, Indiana, 76 against Miami of, of Ohio. Not even like the the name brand Miami. They played like the Great Value edition of Miami. Uh, they put 48 points against uh, Nebraska, but only 34 against a ranked opponent. Northwest, you know they're going to blow out. This Wisconsin game, that's their trap game. You'll see Ohio State lose against Wisconsin. I'll call it now. And that'll just warm my cold little heart. And you know what? You know, I told you, folks, listen. What did I say? You, you listen, with the Big Ten, I, I can't sit here and, 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 and argue anything down because for those who listened last week, I ran through Ohio State's schedule the same way you did. And I say, who did they play? Their best game was the game they, before this one was Nebraska. That's all you need to know about Ohio State's schedule. Because I do believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I do believe the Big Ten has more autonomy in who they play. Oh, they have, absolutely. They have more autonomy than the SEC because we play, I think, a couple more. So we get a couple of gimmies, but they literally, Ohio State has a listen. Justin Fields, a good for him. J.K. Dobbins, great for him. But I'm going to go to the Michigan State game. Listen, I'll clap. Listen, they shut out. They, they shut out Michigan State in the second half. And I, I'll, I'll give them that. But it goes back to my simple point. And I talked about Michigan State a couple weeks ago. Michigan State is very inconsistent on offense. Michigan State lost a game 10-7. to Michigan State didn't score a touchdown to the fourth quarter of that game. And people are like, well, Darius, oh, that's because... So by logic, Arizona State, a Pac-12 school, unless they move... Unless they moved a little closer to the north. Listen, you're telling me that they, oh, Michigan State's defense is good. Michigan, this was Michigan State's worst game. But folks, they had 500, you know, they had 529 yards of offense did Ohio State. And listen, Dobbins, you know, 172 yards and, you know. But here's the thing. 
when they run the ball, and this is since t- the year 2000, Ohio State is 174 and 14 when they rush the ball, 150 yards rushing. So if they run the ball, just like you, know, they're unstoppable. My question with Ohio State, listen, it's still Justin Fields. People are like, oh, well, Darius, he's the best quarterback in the big. Stop. Stop. And this is what Kerb Herbstreit, I think, fails to understand. Is that, listen, I understand the fact, I can understand why he doesn't like the SEC. Because, listen, and you put up those great numbers about the SEC. That's why. I guess Kerb Herbstreit winning is, is a disease. Could listen, the numbers clearly show. Listen, just against a very good Auburn team. And listen, mind you, Trask, like you say, I don't want to call him a game manager. 19 to 31, he had two touchdowns. So, but Florida's defense, listen, they confused Bo Nix, by far his worst game he's ever had as a as a professional. Well, as a professional, well, that could be happening down the road. But as a collegiate athlete, Ohio State, name, name a, of, of those teams you mentioned, Chris, who's the best offense that they played? The best offense that Ohio State will play is going to be Wisconsin. Exactly. That That's it. Yeah, you know, Wisconsin, Penn State possibly, but Wisconsin will be that, – that, that's their – they play one good game this season. That's it. They're going to roll Michigan. They'll, more than likely, they'll probably roll Penn State. Wisconsin, I do not expect them to walk out of Wisconsin with a win. I, I, I do not see it happening. They they just, they don't, I mean, they don't do much of anything, you know? Uh, they, they they go and they, they play these great games against these, these terrible teams and then just fly through the ranks. And, it's, and, and Kirk Herbstreit literally contradicts himself when he says it's about strength of schedule and it's about the quality of the win. Yeah. <clears throat> How the hell can they jump a position and tie Georgia for a, 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 a third spot? Georgia's played a better schedule already. They've at least played a top 10 team with Notre Dame and won. And Ohio State plays a ranked 25 team and, and they can tie for third. We just played against Auburn, which was that was a, a top 10 showdown. I, th- I think it was one of the first ones of the season this year, actually. Yeah, it was. And and like you said, Bo Nix, is a, he, he's a freshman with a, a very bright future ahead of him, and Auburn is very lucky to have him. But our defense just scrambled that kid's brain. That first sack of the game, I think it was like the opening play or second play, that set the tone. That kid said, oh, shit. Yeah. They're coming for me. And it showed. I mean, they kept him under 150 passing. That He threw three interceptions. The, the the quarterback spying that they were doing on him, I mean, it, it, it James Bond was in the backfield. He was there ready to assassinate Bo Nix and, and didn't know about it until he pulled the trigger. And Bo let go of that, a couple of those, but those two in the end zone. I mean, it was clear as day that the that the 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 wide the safety was spying him, and just he bagged and tagged that reception and and off to the races. And uh, you know that, that there's quality. Why is there no 
no mention of that when it, when when Kirk Herbstreit talks to us. All he does is is just badmouth it. You know, they the the whole half of that committee, they're all you know a lot of those are are Big Ten alum that there's the bias is just so blatantly clear and it just it it it's it's hypocrisy is 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 all it is. And you know the look if when if you did you watch the college game day uh, preview with with the course going Herb Street and all that in the morning? Yeah, I saw a little bit of it. Yeah. <clears throat> did you see when when Corso threw the Gator head on the look of of just disgust in Kirk Herb Street's yeah. face? Yeah, yeah. If they oh, would have zoomed in on that, you could saw you could have saw boils. You could have saw a lot of the, the memes that could have been made off of that. But it just proves it. And then you get teams like Ohio State that beat a, a ranked 25 Michigan State, and then suddenly they're the future, you know, playoff contender and, and the, the future, you know, uh, national champs. But to each his own. You know, that's what I got to say about that. The only other game I really want to talk about uh, <laughs> is the UCF Cincinnati yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't letting that one go. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. You know, once again, you know, UCF, if if you want to sit at the adult table, you have to act like an adult. And in order to act like an adult, you have to beat teams like Cincinnati. If you want to sit here and bang on your chest and, and fly your pretend flyers and banners saying that you're the, the unofficial national champs, you got to act like it. And in order to do that, you have to... I don't know, win games that are, aren't against the, you know, Temple or, or things like that. I mean, just the, the the team just wasn't there. I mean, they were just, I, I don't know what UCF is doing, um, but they, they're, they're in a degression mode. Neither that or we're finally seeing what UCF is, which is a fraud. You know they're they're good and what what are they the AAC is that is that the conference they play in? It's the <laughs> conference. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know that's that's cute. You know if if you want to play against you know like look they're so they're gonna play uh, Eastern Carolina this week. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm sure they'll blow them out. You know sixty something to ten or sixty something to zero, and everyone will be like, oh look how great UCF is. And then the following week, they play at Temple. Um, let's see if Temple throws another 500-plus yards of offense on them again. Temple, 500 yards offense on a UCF program. Comical, I know. Um, you know, And then they wrap their schedule up with Houston, which is Houston's a reputable program, so I'm sure they'll lose that game. Uh, then Tulsa, Tulane, and then the war on I-4 against USF. Um, that game, both teams always struggle just because that's a massive rivalry game. Um, but I just, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't even want to pick on UC. I don't even really want to talk about them anymore. They, their, their true color showed, and they, they need to just stay in the minor leagues. They need to stop talking about. We gave them University of Florida gave them an option to play us. They, they turned, they did the smart thing and turned it down. And I think they didn't want to get embarrassed on a yearly basis by us. Or excuse me, a bi-yearly basis. Um, stick to beating up on Eastern Carolina and Tulane, and run your stats up, and come talk to us in a couple years when you want to sit down at the big kids table again. That's all I got to say about UCF. Yeah. I tell you, folks, I think I think we call that a mic drop in the business. And you know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna read you some stats, Chris. 
and it's a new game called Who Had More? So I'm gonna give you a stat and you just tell me who had more. Simple. You know, I know Alex Trebek, still pulling for you, buddy. But so I'm gonna read you a stat, just tell me who had more and that UCF sense again. Who had more first downs in that game? I'm gonna say Cincinnati. Cincinnati had 18 first downs. UCF had 29. Oh, shit. All right. So, penalties. Who had more? Cincy or UCF? Well, I'll try Cincy again. You'd be right. Cincy, nine penalties. UCF, five. Total offense. Total yards. UCF, Cincy. Uh, you know what? Just because... I'm going to try to go, you know, tic-tac-toe three in a row. I'm going to call Cincy. UCF, 423 yards. Cincy had 341. Ah. And they had one turnover the whole game. UCF had four turnovers, three interceptions, and a fumble. And by the way, just for those UCF fans who are listening, just to break your hearts some more, the 18 straight (laughs) conference game streak was snapped. They had a 31-game streak of 30 points more where that got snapped. And, you know, I'm just going to just say this because you you, you said a lot of of truth bombs there. I'm going to simply say this. When given the opportunity to play a Power 5 team and then, oh, we'll play BYU and Boise State, that's that's the remedy to the problem. That's like if you go to the folks, you tell your doctor, oh, my back hurts. And he gives you a Band-Aid. That's the equivalent of fixing the problem in UCF in terms of schedule. <laughs> That's the equivalent. Oh, doc, my back. Well, I got some Band-Aids in the back. And folks. And, then, and you know, listen, Scott Frost is like, well, it, it, twofold, like maybe I should have said a UCF. But in a way, like, I don't want to be the guy that lost. That's Josh Heifel now. Because at the end of the day, I think we both knew from the beginning, just in the basis of when they played in bowl games, they lost to an LSU team they should have beat. That team, I believe the LSU team was down a lot of players. And somehow or another, they still lost that game. They beat the Auburn team, which they should have beat. But when it came to on the schedule, because like, like our boy Herb Street said, you know, strength of schedule. So they, they spanked us a Stanford team and then they lost to Pitt, who almost lost to Delaware the following week, by the way. And then and then they go to Cincinnati and they lose. At the end of the day, they shouldn't be ranked. I highly doubt they will be. I don't want to, if they blow out East Carolina, that's what you're supposed to do. Like, don't come at me like when someone says, oh yeah, we blew up. That's what you're supposed to do. It's like if you go to your job, well, I did. Well, yeah, that's what you're paid to do. Yeah. What you're paid to do. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, I crunched the numbers. What are you, an accountant? Yeah, that's your job. That's your job. Like, oh, you said, oh, I, I had to, oh, I had to pick a piece of paper. Okay, good for you. That's not your job, but great for you. Here's the sticker. That's how I feel about UCF. But I want to I wanna jump back before we talk about the preview for this coming week. I want to go back to talk about Iowa Michigan, not because but listen, I sold my Michigan stock. Listen, I didn't get much back for it, but eh, you know, profit loss margins are, you know, is what it is. But 
what if I listen? Iowa, they got held to one yard rushing. The Michigan defense was good. Eight sacks, four touch, you know, four turnovers. And of those points, Chris, they only had three points off of those turnovers. So that's how great that Jim Harbaugh offense is. They couldn't convert on their own turnovers. You know, the turnovers by the defense. Mm-hmm. And listen, and they went scoreless. They didn't score. Chris, they didn't score. And as of the first quarter, they, they didn't score a damn point. Nope. And, oh, by the way, folks, they won the game 10-3. to 3. So you can do the math. And this is where Harbaugh hired this Josh Gaddis dude to call play. Bro, you could have got – you might as well have Freddie Kitchens calling your plays because he's right up the road. Just because and, – and, you know, and I'm, I'm going to say it again. You called it. Listen, at the end of the day, it just goes to show you how – I'm not going to say weak the Big Ten is. I'm going to show you how low of, of how deep the Big Ten is because – you know, Michigan, Michigan got squashed by Wisconsin. They squeak out a win against Iowa in Ann Arbor. And then Ohio State's blown out people, and they they played six cupcake schools, and they play a, a, a Michigan State team that's awful on offense. Those are facts. Number, I, I, numbers back me up on that. And then the Pac-12 is equally worse. Because what if I told you, Chris, statistically – who do you think the best defense in the Pac-12 is? I would say SoCal. SoCal? That's a great guess. Oregon. They actually play defense in Oregon? I thought yeah. the, I thought the flashy uniforms just prevented them from uh, from having to play defense. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like, oh, should we have to play defense? But we got these kick-ass jerseys. Yeah. Yeah, they're the best. And I said it last week. I said, they're the best defense? Because, listen, they held Cal to seven points and Cal's not a slouch but Cal didn't have their starting quarterback and, and, and listen and what and listen a, a big prediction no one from the Pac-12 is going to be in the playoff I think that's a fair prediction nobody yep. because everyone's beating everybody and then USC which we'll talk about in a minute you know inconsistent I call it the, the Clay Helton you're almost fired tour is going to happen and then, you know, I want to talk about Virginia Tech and Miami really quick. So, Virginia Tech, they blew a 28-point lead. So, Miami had a chance to win this game. Virginia Tech went 9-16 on third down. They only had 184 yards passing. They switched out Ryan Willis, put in some, put in another scrub. I meant quarterback. Excuse me, Virginia Tech fans. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, send those, get those angry Virginia Tech hokey letter. Miami? Miami had four turnovers in the first four possessions. So they benched Jaron Williams. And they put in Nikosi Perry. He went 28 to 45, 422 yards, four touchdowns and a pick. So what's so what's the takeaway? Miami had five turnovers. 11 penalties. They allowed seven sacks. But listen, they had 560 yards of total offense. But what if I told you they lost? 42 to 35. That's... They're in in some deep water. uh, All all pun intended. Yeah. 
and 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 the thing is and the thing is chris this is the point and i don't understand when you know you're manny diaz you're taking this program over for mark rick for whatever reason he left maybe he saw the writing on the wall you you had tate martell a transfer from that school in columbus i can't recall the name of that school i think we talked about it i can't recall the name of it <laughs> but you got him in and then you put him at wide receiver for whatever reason he should have been Tate Martell. So now the quarterback controversy. But listen, Nikosi, listen, Nikosi pairs a sophomore. And you binged a freshman for a sophomore when you have experience in Tate Martell. You know, and, and speaking of and, and speaking of transitioning, of week seven, things that I don't understand. And we'll talk about Miami down, you know, short, you know, down the road here. But the UF LSU game, which you kind of hit on earlier, Chris. Do you know what the spread is on that game? Like, uh, based on I see, I've seen three different ones from three different websites. I've got two of them rolling with Florida, one of them rolling with LSU. Right now, the spreads a thirteen and a half on Florida. Yeah, it's it's yeah, minus thirteen. And and for the life of me. If, you know, I don't know if they should. They should listen to us because remember, remember that spread that you know that Texas A&M had with with Clemson. It was like almost twenty. Mm-hmm. And I thought, and remember, I said it. Then remember, I said it was laughable. Yeah. And guess what happened, uh, folks? If you're in Vegas, you lost money because nobody it didn't cover. And I tell people it goes to the disrespect for UF and Florida. You know, for UF for for first of all for for the SEC, and then especially for the University of Florida. So, give me your thoughts on the on the the Death Valley going to Death Valley UF at LSU. That 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 is going to be honestly one that un, until we get to the playoffs, this is going to be the best game of the entire college football season for everybody. This game right now for Florida. I, 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 and I, and I think I said it, uh, a couple weeks ago, I said, if we beat Auburn, we'll beat LSU. And if we beat LSU, we will beat Georgia. Um, honestly for LSU, LSU's weakness is their defense. Uh, Vandy, uh, Vanderbilt put up 38 points on them. Uh, you know, let's, let's take a look at the, at some of their schedules here. Um, you know, they here, let, let me pull this up right here. Uh, Vanderbilt, uh, 66 to 38, Texas, 45 to 38. Vanderbilt doesn't have a great offense, let, let's face it. Uh, Texas, I, I, I told them I'll respect him. Um, excuse me, I gotta sneeze here. Oh, all right, there we go, it's gone. Um, you know. They've put 40-plus points a game up this season in every single game, but I don't think that they've had an awfully tough schedule. Georgia Southern, Texas, North uh, Northwestern, Louisiana, Vandy, and Utah State. I think we've definitely played some stiffer competition, and, and we've been just as successful. Um, this is going to be the game right here. This this is going to see, and, and this is going to start shaping – uh, the playoffs, I believe, for uh, for for the for the college, you know, for the playoff system. 
I think that that's going to be a contributing factor. And then also, this is going to put the SEC uh, on notice right now against the rest of the conferences that, you know, right now we still have a good chunk of teams that are ranked in the top 10. This is where the herd starts thinning itself out. It's because we're playing ourselves. Now, somebody said that the reason why the SEC is so good, uh, so overhyped is we play ourselves, but it's completely contradictory when you have uh, top 10 teams two weeks in a row playing them each other. You know, we, we played against Auburn, which was a, a seventh ranked team and we beat them. Now we're playing it against a, a five ranked team. Um, this is going to be the, this is going to be the, the, the okay corral, the shootout, you know, take 10 paces and turn at noon. Um, I personally think that, that, that Florida is going to win. I know it sounds biased because I'm a Florida fan, Florida's arguably got the best defense in in college football right now. Um, you know, LSU's quarterback, um, the kids has been been just running and gunning the entire entire season. And that's good and all, but he hasn't really put up uh against a, a Florida defense like this. You know, um, our offense right now, we're we're firing on on all cylinders. We definitely did have some issues with turnovers uh, with Trask. You know, he he committed a couple fumbles. Um, you know, making some sloppy passes. But Auburn's defense again was no joke, and and their defensive end was was right there, ready to take the ball. Um, I think with this game, I think LSU falls. Our offense is very explosive. We're able to play the short game. We're able to play the long game. And and uh, LaMichael P. Ryan exposed that if you give that kid an inch, he's going to take a mile. That the, the second to last play of the game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that 80-something yard touchdown run. He found the seam and just exploded down the sideline. It it looked like when you're playing like Need for Speed Underground back on PlayStation 2 and you're racing your friend and you've got Nas in your car and your friend doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you hit the Nas. It's like Vin Diesel and Paul Walker, you know. You'd see you, dude. Gone. You know. Uh, and Florida's defense. Our secondary is ball hawking. Our front seven are just going to charge the quarterback every chance that they get. Um, it's going to be a good game. But I think it's going to be just like the, uh, this game was. The first half is going to be kind of a stalemate. You're going to see a lot of back and forth. But I think the second half, Florida's going to kind of uh, re-engineer themselves, make a little bit of uh, a play changes. And on defense, I, I think Burrow, uh, he, he's going to see our secondary in a lot of ways, he doesn't want to see him, and that's the 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 corners or the linebackers running past him with the ball in their hand, going towards our end zone. Um, it's going to be a great game. Uh, you know, they, they say the over under is fifty four and a half, um, and then we're slotted at you know negative thirteen and a half to win. Um, I'm with it. You know, uh, let's you know everybody wants to hate on us, and everybody wants to doubt Florida. So a lot of the the Florida hatred was silenced this week with us beating Auburn. The usual suspects uh, in in the social media community sat very, very quiet. 
And I think after we beat LSU, it's gonna you're gonna start hearing the crickets kind of start chirping. At that point, that's when we go after Georgia. And if we beat Georgia, that'll secure the SEC East for us, and that'll put us statistically against Alabama for the SEC title. And at that point, it, heaven forbid if we, be, you know, I don't want to say that we can beat Alabama just because they're such a freakish program, but at that point. If we just beat four top 10 programs in a matter of seven weeks, how do you not put us in the playoffs? Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, thank God Herfie's not on that committee. Because, you know, you know what, Chris? It's the point, And I want to go back to reverberate what you said earlier in the podcast. It's all about that tie between Georgia and Ohio State. You know, this what separates Georgia from Ohio State. And listen, we're not the biggest Georgia fans in the world, but we can understand that. Listen, when they say the SEC, oh, we play each other, and that, that's called conference play. So what I'm not understanding is, is that, well, I guess this is what I'm not understanding. Ohio State, well, that was just, you know, who out, you know, their toughest competition, if Ohio State can somehow some way beat Wisconsin, then we can bring them back to the conversation. Because they would say, okay, that's a quality win. If you're if you're UF, listen, we, we just beat Auburn. We're playing LSU. We're pl- listen, South Carolina, not a slouch. You know, Muschamp may be on the way out, maybe. So he's probably playing for his job. And we're playing, you know, like you say, down the road, we're playing, you know, we're going to Jacksonville and play a very good Georgia team. How can you not? And I say, I think we're being punished, not because of screw the skill. We're being punished because we're the SEC. It's it's kind of like, you know, whether it's your job or whether it's somewhere, you're being punished for being who you are. Like in terms of nothing like the, but in terms of, you know, I, you know, this, this, and this. Oh, well, we can't do this because of that. Florida's being punished because we have the best defense in the country. I can argue and I don't know if you'll agree. I could argue with, within the SEC, we maybe have the second best defense in the conference. And I could argue maybe because Alabama has slipped defensively. And I go look at the game. Alabama was not hanging up, was not giving up 30 points under Saban back-to-back weeks like that. Absolutely not. And I could argue outside of Georgia, who's the second? It's us. Simple. And here's the thing with, with, with LSU. Under Dan Mullen, and we talked about how great Dan Mullen is, changing the culture, changing, just changing the way we operate, because he understands this program. Under Mullen, we're four and one versus ranked opponents. We're three and one versus top ten teams, and we're one and one versus top five teams. So now, but before he got there, between 2010 and 2017. We played, once again, it's time to guess the number with Chris. We played 16 top 10 teams. What would you say our record was between the years of 2010 and 2017? Uh, probably, how many we played? 19 top? Versus top 10 teams, we played at 16. 16. I'll say we did 7, seven and 9. We were 5 and 11. All right, shit. And then... To, to double down, we were nine and twenty-six versus all ranked opponents. This was pre-Dan Mullen. So yeah, so, that's that's Muschamp and uh, McElwain errors. Exactly, and Muschamp 
is on his way out, and McElwain, he went back up north, and he's probably regretting that in Central Michigan. So, he, everyone needs a job, but Jesus. But it's culture. And and for those who down you, listen, Grenard, and I don't know if Zaniga, he may come back. I think if Zaniga plays, how can you not pick Florida? When you see Zaniga, you see you see Reese and you see Grenard. You see those pieces. You see what we did to Auburn. Like, oh, he's a freshman quarterback. Stop. Oh, now, now he's a freshman quarterback all of a sudden. Yeah. Now we're using label. Now I say it's just, we're all oh 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 people say Auburn's a great team. They're gonna go in. Listen, Auburn was favored by two. Oh, and by the way, we beat Auburn by eleven. So point is. Whoever we put, you put in front of us, we just beat the secondary. You got freshmen in the secondary playing well. Folks, it's not a cool... And listen, I'm going to give LSU some props. They have 273 points. That's, you know, and that's, the SEC com- that's the SEC conference record through the first five games, breaking Alabama's record. Joe Burrow, listen, he's 78.4 completion percentage. That's first in all of college football in division at FBS. No one is sitting here and knocking LSU. People, to put it in perspective, I'm going to use Herb Street's line again, strength of schedule. I said Vanderbilt, let's just face it, is hot garbage. Okay, Vanderbilt is that if you're going through your phone, this goes for both, you know, if you're a guy looking for that girl, that's the number you don't, if that girl calls you, you don't pick up the phone. That's Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's your last option. Vanderbilt and then Vanderbilt put up 30 plus points. On the other hand, I say outside of listen, I don't know. Ed Ogeron, big, you know, big O's car sales, big O's used auto sales. This is the biggest game he's played. He's coached in. I could argue now. This is the test for, for that program for Ed Ogeron. This is a test. This is a pass fail. There's no A, B, C, D. No, it's pass or fail. Yep. This is pass or fail because you got the game in Death Valley. By the way, we're five and five since the year 2000 in Death Valley. So we're not intimidated with the factor in the teams that we did bring in. Like you mentioned earlier, we have Felipe Franks who couldn't throw from here to the barn if we had a barn, but yet they somehow won that game in Death Valley. So we can go in there and prove ourselves. Unless they got Shaq on that defensive line, or better, they got Shaq playing with tight end. There's nobody that we can't guard man-to-man on that team. We've proven that. All of a sudden, with Auburn, all of a sudden, the excuses came out. Oh, boom, this is a freshman. Seth Williams, he's the young. Oh, everybody's young all of a sudden. Everybody's young. But no, this is the team that Auburn put. And listen, Auburn, on the other hand, it could be a downward slope for them. And I say, at the end of the day, I don't want any excuses from LSU fans. To, I, I put it like this. I think we can go in there and put it because Dan Mullen understands. He understands the culture. He understands the importance of this game. He understands the importance of every game. Maybe not the Townsend game, but he understands SEC. He understands what it takes to win. And he basically got a dude in Kyle Trask. He's great with quarterbacks. He's going to have him ready. The question is, Will Big O, will Big O's auto sales have Joe Burrow ready? Because this is Joe Burrow's biggest game. 
It's his biggest game, not that UCF debauchery. This is the biggest game. He's going to play. Absolutely. You know, and, and the thing that people, uh, you know, sometimes forget is that when Kyle Trask went down, Emory Jones stepped right in, yeah. marched that ball down the field and got us a field goal. Yeah. And I, yeah. And didn't he go like five of seven? Yeah. You know, so, folks, uh, you know, and, you know, to go back to your point, I, I'm on your, I, I agree with you. I think Felipe Franks, he's healthy. He gets the eligibility. I think he's going to go somewhere and he's going to be great somewhere for a year, somewhere else. Because the quarterback situation, Kyle Trask, you know, Kyle Trask, listen, Dan Mullins is great with quarterbacks. And quite frankly, it was hard to see Franks go down. But with Dan Mullins' history with quarterbacks, whoever that guy was to step in and Kyle Trask, who almost transferred out, he stayed in and good for him. He's going to have him ready. And he's going to be ready and raring to go. And, and speaking of teams ready and raring to go, the Red River rivalry, Oklahoma and Texas. Excuse me. Do you, have, you have any thoughts on that game? Um, Texas is going gonna, is gonna to shock the world. Uh, you know, Oklahoma is a good program, but Texas is hungry. And two animals in the world, you know, there's the the nonchalant ones and then there's the hungry ones. And the hungry animals are the ones you got to worry about because those are the ones that will chase you down at 70 miles an hour or jump from a tree or just maul you in the Serengeti. Uh, A hungry animal is going to prevail. Oklahoma's comfortable. Um, They're they're low-key and they're just kind of cruising. They're on cruise control right now. Um, they have nothing to prove because of last season. They came out and they just, they did a, 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 a great turnaround. J- you know, they've got, now they've got Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. He, he saw the, the writing was on the wall in Alabama with Tua. He decided to pull chalks and go. And definitely playing in a significantly lesser quality conference and, and just, and studding out Texas on the other hand is a hungry program and they have all to prove and nothing to lose because they came into the season with people doubting them and uh, Texas isn't there anymore that you know back, this isn't the early 2000s this isn't the 90s Oklahoma is they're in that comfort zone Texas is in that that danger zone where they have to go. They they Texas is in, I believe in the same situation that Florida's in, that they have to go out and beat on their chest and and prove something to somebody. Where teams like Ohio and Oklahoma, um, even you know even as good as Alabama is, they're on cruise control. I, you know I I they're they're not the facing the difficulties that some other programs have. But I, I think this Red River rivalry, uh, I think Texas shocks the world and beats them. And you, and you, and you brought up a, a very good point. When It's kind of like they're playing with house money, I believe. And with Texas, I think we talked about Tom Herman needing that signature, signature win. And, and I think if he goes out and beats Oklahoma, that's a signature win for the, for his tenure. 
at Texas because we, you know, Sam Ellinger, we know how great he is. Oklahoma, listen, I could argue they played their worst half of football against Kansas last week. And, you know, listen, Les Miles, and that's not a slouch. It goes to show you that, listen, the right coach can change any situation as bad as Kansas is. And that was the worst half of football. You know, Oklahoma did what Oklahoma did and, and, and won. But listen, Oklahoma, they're second in points per game. They put up 53 points a game. You know, they're fourth in, you know, in, four, in first downs a game. They get about 27 and a half. Like you said with Hurts, Hurts, 14 touchdowns, two interceptions. You know, Ellinger, 17 touchdowns, two interceptions. It's going to come down to which defense can shut down the other's offense. Because both of them, quite frankly, very suspect. And, and you know, I would not be shocked. You know, listen, no, they got Oklahoma favored by 10 and a half. I would not be shocked. I think last year, two years ago, came down to a field goal. And I think with Oklahoma, you mentioned the point. I think they're at a place that if if they lose, the, I think the loser of this game diminishes their chances of having a shot at the playoff. Absolutely. And it goes, it dwindles down in a very draconian fashion, because a it's the Big Twelve, it's always the reputation, and I and I argue, and with Baylor, I argue Baylor is undefeated, and Baylor plays both of these teams. So the loser of this game, whenever they play Baylor, that becomes a must-win game, and you've never heard the word, you never heard the word must-win in Baylor in football, in the same way you heard of Chris Christie and Diet. It doesn't yeah. fit. It, <laughs> it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. Speaking of fit, Chris Christie's pants. But the point is, I believe that game's going to be very good. Is there any other any other game that you of, of great interest to you in Week Seven in this college football uh, season? You know, uh, I I had on the board, you know, Michigan State and Wisconsin pending Michigan State's victory, but since they lost, um, I'm going to go ahead and scratch that. Uh, A&M and Alabama. A&M has always been an Achilles heel to Alabama for some godforsaken reason. Um, I'm interested in that game. I definitely got Bama winning by a, a chunk, but A&M is going to give him a scare for a little bit. You know, the other game, uh, you know, and, and and I've been bringing them up a lot this season is Florida State and Clemson. Um, oh. God. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I I don't expect Florida State to walk out of this one alive, um, but this is going to be a, a a proving ground for Florida State, and this is where they've got to figure out something. You know, they're right now conference wise, they're they're two and one in the ACC Atlantic, so they're sitting in third place right now. Uh, of course, Clemson's undefeated. Wake Forest is an undefeated program, but Wake is 1-0 in conference play. Florida is 2-1, so that kind of bumps them down, um, you know, down one. So Wake Forest is still ahead of them. Uh, from what I saw, that they're going to be rotating Blackman and uh, I can't remember the other uh, kid's name currently. Uh, Alex Hornerbrook? Yeah, they're going to be rotating Hornerbrook and Blackman in and out of the game. They're going to be using a 2QB system against Clemson. Maybe that'll do something it hopefully I, I i don't expect florida state to win I, I expect them to put up a fight though if if you are old slick willie taggart right now 
you're going into this game knowing you're going to lose, but you need to go into this game and do something. You better go in and and just power through it. Put some points on the board. Make Clemson earn that victory. Don't just fold over and just get ran over by him. Um, personally, for me, I think this is Taggart's last season. I think he's on borrowed time. I personally think that the Monday after the Florida State-Florida game, he's going to get the call saying that your services are no longer needed. You know, I, 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 I think there's a lot of coaches facing that situation. You know, especially with Willie Taggart. And the thing with Willie Taggart, listen, listen, Clemson's favored by 27 and a half. When I saw the spread, I, I used the spread as a form of measurement. That's kind of like the, the a yardstick. And honestly, Chris, I still feel that Florida State, I'm not going to say they're going to win outright. I think we both agree they're not going to win outright. Absolutely. But the thing with Florida State is, listen, they're third in the ACC in first down. Listen, so, you know, via the pass. So when they pass the ball, they get first downs. They get 12 first downs, you know, in the pass game. Second, the ACC and passing touchdowns in the ACC, you know. So, so the thing is, is that that's great. But Clemson, they're first in the ACC in points per game. Third in the ACC in rush yards. And we also have to remember that, listen, FSU has Cam Akers. So, the running game, if they use him, I don't know against that Clemson front seven. But, you know, I call this the FSU hammer. You know, this stat, listen, Clemson allows, you know, the 130 teams in FBS. Clemson is 12th in points per game allowed. They average 12 points a game. Now, Chris, I'll give you within 10. What do you think that FSU averages on their defense? How many points allowed in terms of rank? Uh, They're 130. So I'll, I'll give you within 10. I'll give you that margin of error. I'll say that they've got to be in the 90th, right around 90th percentile. Very good. They are 89th. Oh, shit. Wow. 89th. They give up 29.6 points a game. So, I I, I truly do feel that Willie Taggart, listen, they're not going to win, but they got to show some heart. If he if they get smashed forty five to seven, he may get fired before the FSU Florida game. Because the thing with Willie Taggart is consistency, and quite frankly, he's eight and nine. And folks, Dan Mullen, folks, you know the record. Like people thought that oh, Dan, folks, it, I, and I all I sound like a broken record when I always say it, but I'm going to say it again. You hire the right coach, you get the right system, you can turn around a program in three years. In a, especially Division One. Yep. I say you're telling me well, that Willie. T- it's not so much just in Division One, but any any sport. Any, any, any sport, sport, yeah. Look any at sport. look at the Yankees. The Yankees when and Girardi won a World Series, and I'll never talk take that away or talk Girardi down. But Girardi wasn't aggressive, and he didn't fight against Cashman, our our GM for the Yankees. Um, we were on a downward spiral. We let him go, and then Aaron Boone came in, and him and his fucking savages in the box. Yep. 
they're a first team and he is the first coach ever to have his first two seasons as a skipper to be a hundred plus win ball club in two in, in his first two seasons <clears throat> and no one else has ever done that you, you, if you get it's like you said it, it it's like cooking you have to have the right ingredients if you have the right players in the right positions with the right coaching staff they will do great things florida showed it against uh auburn this year uh florida showed it against lsu last year the yankees showed it damn great incredible against the, arguably the best hitting team in major league baseball the minnesota twins and we shut them out they scored a total i think of six runs in three games yeah you know i mean it, it, it's all about the coaching and florida Florida has it with with Mullen and Florida State just doesn't. When when I saw that they hired Willie Taggart, my best friend's a Florida State fan. I just I laughed at him, and and he and he knew it. He you know you look at where anywhere that that Taggart has gone, it it's been failure. He's not even a five hundred you know club coach. If if you're gonna go coach for an elite program of Florida, Florida State, and Oklahoma. Uh, Ohio State, uh, hell, even Miami or you know Georgia, Bama, wherever. If you're not at least in the 500s, I don't think you should be at the helm. And for Florida State to hire a sub 500 coach and expect something good to happen, you're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. And, you know, and, and you're absolutely right. And. I'll- I, I want to talk about I want to go back to your Yankees now because I was gonna bring it up at the end, but I'm saving that I'm saving that Atlanta Falcons stuff for the, for our one last thought. You know I saw that Yankee series and anybody and this is for the record anybody who had doubt because in the year of offense people said oh well the Twins I said the Twins don't have pitching I talked about this on the last episode. You know the Twins don't have pitching and if you don't have any rim any pitching then you're not going to win. The Yankees have pitching. Listen, listen, you know, they'll have Sabathia, but he wasn't in this series. They didn't need him. So he's going to be in the ALCS and he's going to be ready to go. And that's going to boost the rotation. They're going to boost, you know, Sabathia, he came out with it. So he's going to be ready. And like you said with Aaron Boone, listen, Joe Girardi, I hope for God my Cubs don't hire him. I really don't. Because, because of the point that you just mentioned, aggressiveness, and that goes into any level of of coaching, you have to be able to kind of press your boss to get the things that you need. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, if you're not fighting against your boss, you're not fighting against them. It's about results. And I don't think Willie Taggart has fought against the, the ads. Like, listen, I need this, this, and this, and you're just letting you know letting them cakewalk you. Because, like I said, going back to the Yankees, listen, and I, and so I'll, you know, with this, I'm going to say this. I had the Yankees winning in six. And by the way, Dodger fans, it ain't looking good for you. Oh, FYI, before I move on, if if the Dodgers lose, Dave Roberts is fired. So, you think so? I think so. Because back to back, you go to the World Series, you get embarrassed by the Red Sox, and then you can't make it to the World Series this year. Anything short of the World Series, Dave Roberts is done. It's expectations. I mean, they 
I've seen 90 win managers get fired. We've both seen that. Yep. So, so the one last game I want to talk about before we head to our fantasy football is I, I do want to talk about Alabama, Texas A&M. Listen, Alabama 6-1 versus Texas A&M since, they, since 2012. You know, five games under Saban. And Saban, now they're starting to throw the ball more. Nick Saban, fifth game with 400-yard passing. Three of those games belong to Tua. They're not running the ball. For God's sakes, their third-best receiver had three touchdowns against Ole Miss. This offense is about the air. It's about passing. And that's why I said in the beginning, that's why I had Alabama ring. This Alabama team is dangerous because now they can throw the ball. Yep. I mean, who's their best throwing quarterback? They probably got rid of Jalen Hurts. Before that, A.J. McCarron. The best thing A.J. McCarron did was marry a good-looking woman. That's the only thing he did. And he's a, like a fifth-string guy somewhere in the Texans. They could think he, I think he works in the cafeteria there. But, allegedly. But, but I want to, speaking of football, I want to go through our fantasy football, your stardom, and your sit-ups. All right, so stardom and sit-ems. This Instead of doing, because I had a hard time distinguishing a particular uh, uh, position, I kind of bounced around on a couple different ones. Um, my starters, number one, um, I think that this is going to be where we break out. Matt Ryan with the Falcons. Um, he should be able to be the dominant Air Force in this game against the cards. Um, Julio Jones, I think, will have a great game. And this is going to be where I said that, um, you know, you're going to start Julio if you have a combo pack. Luckily for me, I have that Matt Ryan-Julio combo pack. So hopefully this week it'll pay off. Uh, I think he's going to do just fire. I think Matt is going to become Matt again. Um, Mark Ingram uh, with the Ravens. Um, I, I think this is going to be a great week for him. Um, let's see here. Stefan Diggs. Diggs, I think this is, you know, the Eagles, both of their starting corners are injured and their backups, I don't think are going to be able to handle uh, Diggs' speed on the outside. Dillon and Diggs are going to have a good game. I think that they're going to have that uh, that jumbled talk with, with the coach and cousins to get them to air the ball out again. If you have a, a secondary where 50% of the secondary is injured and you have arguably the best receiver duo in the game, if Cousins has under 300 passing yards in this game, I'm going to be shocked. Um, <clears throat> some sits. I think uh, Corey Davis this week uh, with Tennessee. He's been a, a pretty good balance uh throughout the season but i think going against uh the broncos this this uh this week they're gonna have a little bit of an issue um greg olson i think is gonna have his resurgence week this week um with the buccaneers um they're the second worst team statistically against opposing tight ends um and then you know olson is just he's done good um some sits again. OJ Howard from the Bucks, Carolina is going to be a, uh, a, a a very fierce defense. Uh, as much as we were picking on him earlier, I think Dak Prescott will be a starter this week against the Jets. Um, my secondary in the Jets is is so bad. Helen Keller, I think, could right now go out and go play better uh, better defense. <laughs> 
Um, you know, some some streamers. You can maybe, if you're in a bad situation, maybe stream Andy Dalton against uh, uh, Baltimore. I mean, Baltimore is just defense. They've passing wise have just been complete garbage. Um, and then for some of the sitters on the quarterback side, I would definitely sit. If you got Jimmy G, I put him on the bench. Jameis Winston, definitely. That is a start at your own risk. Um, a, they're playing in London, so that usually never fares out well. And B, Carolina's defense has just been on fire. Um, and then sit Matthew Strafford from uh, the Lions if you have him. You know what? I think we agree on a bunch. I'm going to go through a couple of mine real quick. I had Natty Ice. I had Mark Ingram in the start. And I had sit for Matt Stafford. You know, I think Kyler Murray versus the same Falcons. I guess my Falcons. The Falcons have, have allowed the most fantasy football points against quarterbacks this season. So I say that it may be some kind of a quarterback duel. So if you have, like, I'll throw in David Johnson, Fitzgerald. You have that, you know, it'd be, it'd be a great game for offense on those on that side of the ball there. You know, I think Russell Wilson against Cleveland. You know, Cleveland has allowed 10 touchdown passes. You know, they're tied for the eighth most. I just think that, you know, Cleveland, I just, I just don't trust them defensively now after, you know, Jimmy G spanked them the way that they did. And and then I say Alvin Kamara versus Jacksonville. Jacksonville, listen, they allow the fourth most points versus running backs. I think Jacksonville is great as they are. You know, I think the, I'm not going to say the decline is there, but, you know, no Jalen Ramsey, you know, no, it, it makes a difference when your best player is not there. Oh, absolutely. And for the Sittums, you know, I just have, you know, you gave me, you know, you got Matt Stafford, which is good. I had him. I had Jordan Howard, which is Minnesota. Minnesota does not allow many fantasy football points, only 13 a game. And they only given up one touchdown this whole season via the rush. And, you know, Daniel Jones, I know it's obvious, but New England, they only give up five points against quarterbacks and then zero touchdowns and 11 interceptions. Does the Patriots defense and a couple of sleepers. You know, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Jimmy G as a sleeper because, you know, uh, you know, Russell Wilson against these Rams had 268 yards and James Winston had 385. I think that Rams defense, Wade Phillips, that secondary is a big question mark. And I, I went with Le'Veon Bell for your Jets, you know, against Dallas. Dallas allows 21 points against running backs. So he plays over 90% of the snaps. So he's going to get care. He's going to be involved in the offense in some capacity. And lastly, you know, sleeper-wise, Carson Wentz. You know, and that's, you know, I think in the same way you talk about Andy Dalton, the same way I feel about Carson. I say emergency, but secretly Minnesota, listen, they give up 19. You know, Carson Wentz has 19 fantasy football points he averages, but Minnesota only allows 14. So if you're in a league where, listen, if you don't have a quarterback situation, that's ideal go for that. And I'm facing a situation where someone in our league offered uh, Kirk Cousins because I have Phillip Rivers on the bench because I have Russ starting. So I got to figure that out. So, because I'm looking to rave or what, but that's my personal <laughs> stuff there. But, so that's my fantasy. And uh, listen, I, we're both doing well in our league. I think, Chris, you're on the up. I think you're getting, you're, you're getting, you're two rising. I'm two and three. I'm on the up and up right now. Yeah. And, you know, but when you're looking up, you're going to see me. So. Yeah, unfortunately. That, yeah, but listen, folks, just like the Niners, it may be, listen, uh, but before we get out of here, do you have anything you want to wrap up with? 
Uh, yeah, my final thoughts. I'm going to touch on baseball. Um, you've got three games uh, over the next two days. You've got both NLDS games today. You got the five o'clock slot with the uh, the Braves and Cards playing in Atlanta. And then you've got the Dodgers and the Natties in L.A. Um, I think the Braves are going to squeak this one out. Um, I'm, you know, they're, they're saying you can't stop the chop. Let's see if it happens. Um, I hope so. Uh, you know, I, for the NL side, the Braves are kind of my go-to team just because of the OG Braves back in the 90s that we grew up with. You know, John Smaltz, Tom Glavin, Chipper Jones, Andros Galarraga, Andrew Jones, all those cats. Um, so I still pull for them. I'd like to see them do well. Uh, with the Dodgers, I think that they're just going to kind of smother the Nats at this point. Uh, Thursday, you've got the, the, the showdown and the, uh, the Astro Dome with, uh, or the Tropicana Dome, whatever the hell they call it now, uh, with the Rays and with, uh, the Astros. I think the Rays are going to pull this one off. I, I really think they will. Um, I think that they have found the, the chink in the armor against, uh, Houston. If Houston somehow does pull this off, I fully, I, I expect we sweep Houston if they win uh, Thursday, Yankees will do a four game sweep on them because they were banking on, on a quick rollover of, of, uh, uh, of Tampa. They're starting, I believe they're starting Verlander Thursday night, which throws off their entire pitching rotation. If they play us, um, we're going to take advantage of that. Our pitching has been on fire. Uh, you know, you've got, uh, you've got Severino. He's back in full swing. We now have Sabathia who can be a mid reliever, um, and then if you watch the game, uh, what was it, Monday night, uh, or no, excuse me, uh, Sunday night, the Twins and the Yankees, uh, or was it Monday night? I don't know. My days are all jumbled up here. Um, the, the, that last Twins-Yankees game, when they brought in Chapman for the, uh, the eighth, and, uh, eighth and two-third and ninth inning, the man struck somebody out. The last pitch of the game was a high inside 100 mile an hour fastball that just the dude just he watched it zip by him yeah. he didn't know what to do um the yankees pitching has just been on fire paxton had a little bit of an ankle issue that's why they pulled him out early hopefully he's okay um or excuse me not paxton Britton. i apologize um i i think it's going to be interesting personally for me <clears throat> uh, I see it's going to be a Yankees and Dodgers World Series. Yankees win it in six. Um, I would love to see a 90s repeat, maybe the Braves squeak in, but I don't see the Braves making it past L.A. L.A. just has too much experienced talent, and at this point in the game, experience is when it matters when you start getting into the postseason. You start, when you're in October, um, that that's where the experience matters. The only, and again, I, I, I feel like Kirk Herbstreit cause I'm double talking myself right now. The Yankees are a very inexperienced team, but our second string is just as good as anybody's first string. That was proven this season. We led the league in wins. We led the league in injuries and all sorts of other categories. Now that everybody is back in a hundred percent, um, judges on fire, um, uh, Sanchez is just on fire. Our pitching's on fire. Um, it's a great time because you got college football in full swing, the NFL in full swing, and then baseball coming to a close in the most important games of the season. So 
Go Yankees, go Gators, and uh, we'll be back next week to talk the naysayers when uh, when they have nothing good to say about us beating LSU. <laughs> and you know what? I'm just gonna and I'm gonna save my Atlanta talk for. I'll probably do a bonus. Just go off about 20 minutes on a bonus little bonus feature for you guys. But I want to talk about baseball. Like I say, I stand for the record. When I, last week when I picked the games, I had the Yankees in six as well. I had them against the Dodgers, but I, I, I say it once and I'll say it again. If the Dodgers do not win, Dave Roberts is done. Because he was already someone on the hot seat after last year because he got outmanaged by Alex Cora. So and that's all you need to know. And no disrespect to Alex Cora, don't get me wrong. But, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, I think the Yankees, listen, the, listen, I, I say it once and I'll say it again. Aaron Boone's your manager of the year. Go look at how many guys were injured this year on the on the on the I listen on the disabled list. Go look at that. And like I said, for the Braves, I would like to see them. But my question with the Braves is outside of Sayorka, you know, the pitching to me becomes sketchy. You know, I like Donaldson, I like those dudes. But, you know, but for Tampa Bay, if Tampa Bay and they're gonna pitch Verlander again. You know, I saw Verlander pitch, and I, I, I listened to uh, the D-Train, Dontre Willis, and he hit it on the head. His velocity was there, but his location wasn't. Yep. And they were hitting balls out of the park. You know, I think there were more fans in there than it was in the entire Dolphin Stadium. And, you know, and that's a pretty big stadium, FYI. So I, I do expect, contingent on, I do expect Houston to squeeze it out, and I do believe that I wouldn't be shocked if the Rays did either. The Rays, secretly good pitching. Secretly good pitching. And that offense, the payroll, you would think not great. But I think I got Yankees in six. And if for Dodger fans, if Dave Roberts doesn't win, he's out the door. Because I'm in the firing mood. So I want Dan Quinn fired. I want people fired. Because an excuse me, in baseball, if the Yankees fire Girardi, and I hope for God he doesn't get hired by the freaking Cubs. That's a, The whole Cubs thing is a whole... That's a, that's a whole melodrama in itself. But but until we speak again, so your listeners, I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. And we will and we will see you and we'll hear you. And the social media is at Sports the World on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook is Sports in the World. Go to the about tip listen to this episode and every episode and check out the content there. And until next time, folks, be real, be you and be blessed. Have a great day. Take it easy.